Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to come before your throne of grace. Lord, you know what the needs are here. You know what every individual is expecting from you. We thank you, Lord, that we're in an atmosphere of expectation for you to do good. And we thank you for the opportunity to receive what you have for us today, Father, in all areas of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today we're going to talk about how you can be schooled into healing. Men, schooled into healing. God wants you to be schooled into healing. Um, Brother Hagen used that term uh, in in his teachings and in his uh, what he stood for and what he preached, and he understood that faith oftentimes is a process. The Bible talks about uh, different dimensions of faith, different amounts of faith, and what it can do, what faith can't do. Uh, he talks about what he can do with our faith. And so Brother Hagen coined that term to get people to understand that we are in a process of establishing ourselves as worthy to receive or qualified to receive based on how we receive God's word. So the Bible says that we prosper and we are in health as our souls prosper. So part of what we do as believers when we sit and hear the word, we are teaching ourselves in faith. We are receiving faith, but we're also coming to school. That's why we call this a school of ministry, a healing school, where you're going to learn how to put everything that you hear together and make it uh, prosperous for you, uh, make it bear fruit for you, all of those things. So this schooling process is something that uh, uh, I think is very, very important for us as Christians, as believers, I know there's traditional churches where uh, people just more or less come and hear a good sermon, and that's almost as far as it goes. There's not much expectation made on them. That's when you start making enemies and losing people, when you expect people to do something with what they hear. Amen? Amen? Huh? We're all good. We can all jump and shout hallelujah and tear the carpet up and dance a jig and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to being accountable for what you hear and and showing some fruit in your life for having sat under the word or having sat and heard different things and so forth, it gets to be a challenge for people because we don't understand that there's a schooling process that has to take place in us if we're going to bear the fruit that God has uh, called us to bear and if we're going to get our needs met. So the schooling process is something that the disciples went through and they were graded on it, weren't they? They were never judged, but they were certainly graded. If they didn't have the goods, so to speak, the way we, way we say it, if they didn't come in with the goods, uh, Jesus would rebuke them. Where's your faith? You know, well, you have little faith. Uh, well, how long am I going to put up with your nonsense of not using your faith? You know, where's your faith? In your pocket and put it out there where I could see it. You got me? And so Jesus expected them at all times to demonstrate their faith. The just are called to live by faith. They are called to exercise their faith. 
so that they can merit the benefits of the life of faith. So this isn't that hard to do. It's just something you have to understand. There's a purpose to us getting together. There's a purpose to us taking notes and hearing this. There is a purpose that God will call us into account for because he's expecting. You know, when he see, when you get up every day, he's expecting you to go tell somebody about Jesus in some way. Because we are, we, he said, we are walking epistles known and read of all men. And so he expects this schooling to produce some fruit. When we get in front of people and they start complaining, what do we do? Huh? We join in with them and say, brother, you don't know the time I just had. Understand what I'm saying? Or do we offer Jesus? You see, do we offer Jesus? That's what he expects us to do. And see, if you're a faith person, you're confident when you utter those words I used to to be afraid to tell people well God's going to heal you he said what do you think I'm going to do make them sick he says you better tell them I'm going to heal them he said it ain't up to you to do it it's up to you to tell them about me and what I will do for them in this situation and pray for them see that's faith too faith is stepping out there feeling like you always do unprepared not ready unqualified and and not really anointed today you know some days you feel more anointed than other days you know i know i do and i feel <laughs> you know if i'm just trying to make it somewhere make it back before they realize i didn't shower or you know whatever i didn't do this more there's always something i don't do you know and and god shows up anyway he said, if you, he said, hey, listen, I can override anything about you. He said, if you choose to stand there and stink, then stink for me. But I'm going to tell these people to come and get some prayer off of you because you're going to learn how to get yourself together for you leave the house or suffer the consequences. But I want some work done out of my kids. Amen. <laughs> It was, it was one day I, I had a day of reckoning. I don't do it so much anymore. You know, when I go and I'm, I'm pretty much ready. I say 90%. But uh, <laughs> I had a neighbor that uh, had four Pomeranians and they would drive you nuts. They were up at 530 every morning. You could set your clock by them dogs. And, it, <laughs> and so, uh, at that time uh, we had a, a dog girlfriend and and I would tell girlfriend, I said, well, they're not really from Pomerania. They're probably from Pittsburgh. You know. <laughs> but you're from Tibet. You know. you're, real, you're the real thing. You know, we, at the Because they were real cute and they got all kinds of attention. You know, girlfriend got her share, but come on now. Not like four. But anyway, <clears throat> one of them was sick and very sick one time. And I looked up and the owner was outside my window and she had in the way to get around there she had to have walked all the way around the block because we had fences between all the properties and so I just my heart just went out to her and then I looked at her and just got out of the bed and it was like don't sleep so rough next time you know and so when I opened the door for her she just hugged me and I hugged her back and I said oh god if I just he said shut up Minister to this woman. Pray for the little dog. The dog got a miracle. Man, the dog lived another couple of years. They had, that dog had a, a dog bill that wouldn't, and we prayed for the bill to go away and everything that, but was I prepared? Absolutely not. 
Did that, that stop God? Absolutely not. You got me? He wants work done. And so when you've schooled yourself, when God's taken the time to impart his knowledge and wisdom to you, he has a right to extract it at the right time. You got me? And so <laughs> I was standing there, no shower, barely, you know, standing up there myself, all this kind of stuff, want my coffee. I love you, but can I have my call? You understand what I'm saying? But God, see, this is what schooling will merit you. It will merit you an opportunity to use what you've learned. And believe me, the world needs it. Don't ever say you don't have an opportunity to minister to some. Don't ever say that. My goodness, the fields are ripe to harvest. People are dying out there. And you don't need to try to figure out how to say it to them. God said, open your mouth. I'll fill it with words. God knows how to reach people. You know, we can only do so much. And God is good. He's a great God. He's a wonderful God. He's always looking for people who need him and who want him. And so he has to use his children to do it. So today we're going to talk about how we have three people to talk about and talk about how they school themselves into faith for their healing. There's something they all did to teach themselves, teach their spirit how to reach up to God for their healing. You need to know that Jesus looks for faith all the time. And that's what you got to do. He never looks for sin. He looks for faith. Faith is greater than everybody's faults. Everybody's. It's not that he's not soft on sin either. You got me? He he knows what he's thinking, but his desire is to get you in faith. Because righteousness is more powerful than unrighteousness. Why should he let the small thing stop him when there's something bigger that he can impart to you to get you straight and get you on your way? See, this is what made him different from the religious people of his day. They were always looking for what somebody was doing. Did you wash your hands enough? Did you, I would have failed. Listen, I would have failed a religious test every day. You know what I'm saying? Every day. Flunk it. But you know what? God looks for faith. And that's what we need to look. And when we don't find faith, we need to learn how to impart faith to people. You don't get mad at them because they don't believe like you believe. You know, you ain't sure what you believe some days. Huh? A lot of times we barely hanging on. <clears throat> so we can't judge other people. But if you will look for faith and learn how to increase a person, let them have more faith when they walk away from you than they had when you showed up. Let that deposit be left with them. So they can know the increase of God. So does Jesus looks for faith. And when faith was absent, he kept preaching. You know, when it was absent, he kept preaching. Now, it was different with the disciples. They had to, they were under a different mandate. But we're talking about ministering, the mercy ministry of God. When you minister to people, there's great mercy there to keep that person engaged in the presence of God until their faith is at the level where God can really come in and do his work. So when we witness to people, we're looking for faith if we're in Christ. Faith, according to God, is the same thing as righteousness. So when Jesus met sinners, 
and they put their trust in him, it was imputed to them as righteousness. So that he was not blessing sin. You got me? He was not blessing their bad behavior. But if they were willing to turn away from that and look upon him and receive the words that he was giving. Same thing with you and me. We can be sitting up there looking at something stupid on television. I'm telling you there's so much stupid stuff on there. You know, and I watch it like everybody else. I'm thinking there's got to be something on there. It's, you know, even, even you know, you used to run for shelter to the Christian television. Can't even go there no more. You know, they got the preachers of L.A. I said, oh, thank God they're preachers of L.A. I thought you was trying to pass them off as preachers of the gospel. You get it Tuesday. I know y'all all got it now, didn't you? Huh? Yeah, they preach in L.A. I'm preaching the gospel with two totally different groups of people. If L.A. can save you, you know what I'm saying? Pathetic. I say, you know what, we pray for people like them to get lost. Huh? In our prayer manual, we have a prayer for, for ministers, fivefold ministry gifts, that they not preach for filthy lucre. You got me? But preach of a ready mind. Just be spontaneous to preach at the direction of the Holy Spirit. So all them filthy lucre people are gone already. You know what I'm saying? We stand against that nonsense. Well, you don't preach for money. You preach for Jesus. Huh? You preach for a person. You don't preach for what it's going to get you. They all need to go back to their day jobs. If they ever had them. Huh? Because that show is toast. I'm real sorry. I said I wasn't going to even bring that up. Abomination. All right. When faith is sent out and you open your heart to receive it, righteousness is added to your account. It's the best thing that we've got going for us. Always stay open to the Word of God. I don't care who preaches it. Stay open to the Word of God. The Bible also tells us to study to show ourselves approved unto God. And this was the one thing that God told me that when you study the word, you study it until he approves of what you do. You got me? So you're studying to get God's approval. In 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. When God approves of you, you don't have to, you're not short on anything, you're not ill-equipped, you're not too young in the faith, you're not anything like that. When God approves of you, then he will send you out equipped. That's what you got to get is God's approval. And as you rightly divide the word of truth, you know, there's right dividing and there's wrong dividing. You have to rightly divide God's word. That means it's got to add up and make sense. And then when it's preached, he confirms it with signs following. That's one thing that's undeniable. 
It's like the 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 the, uh, the kid that was was blind told the Pharisees. They said, "Was well, that man a sinner that laid hands?" He said, "I don't know, but you know what? I'm gonna tell you something. This morning I woke up, I couldn't see nothing, and after he laid hands on me, I could see. Because that's all I care about. See." When the proof is there and the fruit is there, you don't need to explain yourself. You don't need to do any talking. When the proof is there and the fruit is there, the religious will shut up and leave you alone. Or try to kill you. You know, they make plots against you all the time. So we're to study to show ourselves approved unto God. So when you preach L.A., it's okay to preach it as long as you got signs following. If you don't have signs following, you quit preaching that. Start preaching the gospel. Got me? The centurion studied to show himself approved unto God. So did the woman with the issue of blood. And so did the man at the gate beautiful. So we're going to talk about all three things of those. So, But what does it mean really to school yourself <coughs> into faith? Or school yourself into healing or the promises of God. That word really means to convince someone through knowledge of some fact. So when you school yourself, you convince yourself through knowledge of some fact. In our case, the spirit man influences the man of the flesh to release his hold on your life. So when you receive the word, when you start schooling yourself with the word of God, you go to the school of meditation. And as you meditate on God's word, you enter into the arena of the good fight of faith. Why is it a good fight? Because as long as you hold on to faith in God, you'll win. You're a winner as long as you hold on to faith. I don't care how many people quit serving God. I don't care how many people tell you you don't know what you're talking about. I don't care what people say. As long as you're holding on to faith in God, the fight of faith is a good fight. And you're not fighting other people, folks. You're mostly fighting your own mind to quit fighting you, your spirit man, to to, uh, grab on to the truth. See, when you undertake this fight of faith, there are going to be so many things against you. Because you're fighting the natural, temporal realm. You're fighting the kingdom of darkness, the satanic realm. So you've got all this against you, but it's still a good fight. Because you and God is more than enough for anything else that will ever come against you. But you got to make sure God's on your side and you're on his side. You got me? It's more important to be on his side than it is to have him on your. You find out where he is and get over there, you see. And so when you're on God's side, he will always come for you. He'll always help you. He'll always vindicate you. So the fight of faith is a good fight because you're going to come out a winner if you are standing on the word. Just keep standing. You don't have to explain to anybody what you're standing for. You don't have to explain. To, you don't owe the devil an explanation. Because he's the first one to want to question you like you owe him something. Amen. Well, who you think you are? Talking about you going to have a healing ministry. and You going to raise the dead. And you going to do who you think you are. Huh? Amen. He'll be the first one interested Amen. when you set out to do something for God. Amen. So you got to fight his voice. 
you got to fight your voice, your conscience that wants to agree with him. Because it's so easy, you think, to stay where you are and not try to go any higher than where you are. God wants to take us higher. He wants to take us to the highest realms. He wants us to rule and reign with him in things. He needs people down here to call the shots for him. And he needs people willing to take responsibility to make sure his kingdom always advances. Never retreats. We always advance. We keep going farther and farther. It blesses me now to see so many prophetic ministries. When we started, if you were a prophet, you hid somewhere. Because everybody and their, their brother was against you. They attacked you for no reason. You know, they send witches to your meetings and witches to pray for you and all this kind of stuff. And I'm glad my God don't work for witches. And I don't have to be scared of their prayers. I don't have to be nonsense. But man, we went through. And then we looked around and pretty soon God had cleared the way for many, many more just like us. See, that's a good thing about the kingdom. It increases anyway. With persecution, it increases. You try to kill us, we like baby, baby's kids, honey. We don't die, we multiply. Amen. We don't go nowhere. Church has been here for 2,000 years and it will be here. We'll be the last ones here. We'll be turning off the lights on planet Earth when it's all over with. So we're not going anywhere. We're not scared of the government. We're not scared of the Muslims. We're not. It's been tried already. Huh? It's been tried and failed. So we don't have to be concerned about anything. So God wants his kingdom go forward. And if you will study to show yourself approved unto God. How do you know when God approves of you? Well, he'll anoint you. Huh? That anointing will pull you, compel you, draw you to the places where God wants that anointing to work to help humanity. That's the main reason for the anointing. The Bible says Jesus went about, he was anointed by God and went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Because God was with him. So you got a devil chasing Oppression lifting. Huh? Do gooding anointing. Huh? Do gooding anointing. And you're not worried about whether they cut you a check for you. You know, I had to talk to somebody. Nice, real sweet uh, minister. They kept going on Facebook complaining about people who didn't pay them when they preached for them. I said, We paid you? Am I on that list? You know, and they quit doing it. You see what I'm saying? The devil can cause you to mess up something good that God has for you if you don't see God as your source of all things. See? And we don't preach for money. We preach for Jesus, honey. God takes care of you no matter what. Take care of you no matter what. And more the merrier. So God loves it when we trust him. He loves it when we believe in him. And when we have studied to show ourselves approved. Which means you never quit studying. You never quit studying. That word is like ice cream. Huh? It's like banana pudding. Huh? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. I remember uh, prophetically seeing myself preaching. This was before I was, uh, before I was even a minister. 
And I kept saying, taste and see that the Lord is good. And people kept doing like, he said, I, I taste. And they kept tasting different things. And this one lady would say, that's like pudding. It's, it's, she said, it's so rich. I just love it. And, they, and it, was, it was that thing that kept telling me that God's word was good. Amen. And it was worth studying God's word. Amen. And, it, you know, even when it's hard for me to drag myself to my Bible, I could crawl myself up in there and taste and see. And the Lord is always good. Amen. You got me? It's always good when you get into the word. And so let that word be your meat. Let that word be what you go after and appreciate the word of God so when you school yourself you understand that God's word is good your spirit man begins to influence the man of flesh to release his hold on you spirit soul mind and body when we begin to school ourselves we enter into the good fight of faith and it's not a losing fight it's a winning fight now meditation is the key to meditate means to mutter or chew with the intent of digesting that word and making it your own. You want to come out owning what it is that you hear. You want to come out believing that and only that. But the Bible says immediately when the word is sown, the enemy comes and tries to pull that word up out of you. See, he'll come with something like if you hear a good word on healing, then you, you know, a pain will start or something to bring doubt as to what you have heard. And so the fight is to hold on to the word of God in spite of what else that will come against you. I know for years when I was younger, I believed the scripture said none of these diseases that he put on the Egyptians will come on you. But wait until you get over 60, baby, and see if you don't look at them words. Can I read that right? It gets challenged. Natural situations will bring a challenge to the supernatural. So what am I going to do? Roll over and go take pills? No. I'm going to get deeper into the word. See? I don't want to believe that it's making a difference like that. But I'm just like everybody else is. I get stressed. I get tested. You know, I went to have my some work done on my teeth. I thought it was, you know, like Gilligan's Island, a three-hour tour. And people worked on me for a year. This little guy graduated almost. I know his supervisor graduated. She went home and stayed with her kids. She was bored sitting up there looking at me. But anyway, my blood pressure shot up. And you talk about a sister working the word and working. <laughs> you bring out some of them old tricks she used to bring out. You know, because I didn't want them to stop treating me. And they said, well, we could make a referral. And I, I talked to God. I said, now, God, you know, you know me, me and you. We like this. I don't trust nobody with you. I don't want to go. He said, but no, that's okay. We, every time they was going to throw me under the bus, I talked to God about it. And I got off the hook. I said, God, if you get me through this, I promise you I get my words so tough. I ain't going to believe nothing but none of these diseases. I feel it coming back on me right now. I feel it coming on me real strong. It's coming on me. Coming on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Uh-huh. They mess with me. They jack me around so bad at that little place I was over there to get a tooth pulled. Now I, I got my my doctor, my regular doctor. Me and him was cool, you know. He said, "Well, you don't look like you have high." I said, "I don't." 
And he said, okay. And he went along with it. Then he turned me over to somebody. I got to take you over here where they pull teeth. I said, don't you pull them. And he said, I could, but you know the system says I got to do this. So I go over there and they want to throw me under the bus. So I heard the one kid, one uh, dentist talking to his supervisor. Well, no, we took it four times and it's still, you know. (laughs) And so he said, well. And I said, no, listen, Jesus, we talked about this already. I'm my back up under the bus again. They can't put me on the bus. Listen, when I get home, I'm going to get under that. I'm going to crawl up in my Bible and one with the big pages of coffee table Bible. I'm going to crawl up in there. And by the time I come out, none of these diseases. Huh? Definitely. You do what you got to do. But you don't cave. Now, people say stuff like, well, what's the harm in going to the doctors? For me, it's not good. (laughs) I'm not a good patient. Huh? Because I take every opportunity I can to preach the gospel. See, and we won't get in a strife up in that. But see, what I want to do is keep myself strong in the word. And what that told me was, my faith was weakening in what God had had me stand on. And see, when you get older, you need to stand on it more. You don't need to start letting it slip. You got me? So for me, I would be denying what's in my heart that I want to do. You got me? See, God won't send you to the doctor if you come to him like that's something better. You got me? You come to him and he'll work with you. I think I need to get my word a little bit stronger too. Y'all don't understand what I'm saying. I'm still here. I'm not scared about dying. And I'm not going to go out debilitated in a chair. Huh? Unless Chuck is my roommate and we out racing each other. (laughs) We'd be the swiftest old girls in the place. But you understand what I'm saying. I'm not going out like that. You got me? God has assured me. And if I stay in the good fight of faith, if I keep fighting this with my faith, none of these diseases, not one. Huh? You go in there, man, they get you in the rope-a-dope, some of them interviews, and not a government wants to, you know, you go have a record with them, and all your ailments and symptoms, the government are going to have a record of it. You know, anytime your name gets popped in, all your blood pressure, weight, height, ah! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? All your revealing information. Uh, I don't care about my address or nothing, but don't put my height and weight in nothing, Obama. <laughs> you got me? Don't start no stuff with the kid. I really get to pray in then. Anywho. So, all right, so we're going to talk about people who school themselves into healing and how they did it. Part of it is standing against that which God has told you is not for you. You make a stand against it. Huh? I don't want it. I'm not receiving it. I'm not having it. But you can't. Yes, I can. The Bible says whatever I allow is allowed. Whatever I disallow is disallowed. I still have the keys to the kingdom. Huh? I don't care how crazy you get, how, you know, how many symptoms you have. If they wheel you out to emergency room, you still got the keys to the kingdom. Huh? You still got them. <clears throat> so anyway, 
uh, let me see. The first one I want to give you is a centurion who came to Jesus. We're going to talk about how he schooled himself into faith for healing for his servant, actually. So turn to Luke chapter 7 and we'll read that account. You can teach yourself. You can convince your spirit man that he's stronger than your flesh. You can convince, you can convince your spirit man to stand up and do anything that God has put in your heart to do. And you can make your flesh behave, go sit down somewhere. You did anyway. I thought I killed you when I got born again. Don't come up in my face telling me nothing about you hurt, you sick, you whatever. Don't talk to me about that. Because we are healed. And you gotta be that way, folks. If that's how you school yourself. You edify your spirit and you talk about yourself the way God talks about you. Can't talk about yourself the way the world talks about us. Or the way the world says we, we're supposed to feel or we're supposed to believe or any of that stuff. You can't give in to that. You've got to stay strong in what God's given you. You gotta fight to hold on to your true identity. Which is that you are redeemed from the curse of sickness. A price has been paid for you. Amen. And you can't be sold off again. Who could buy you back from God? Huh? You can't even get out of this yourself. Huh? You try to get real stupid and tie one on and. Go spend all the money. Go back to taking drugs or whatever you used to do. And God will find you there too. He will definitely find you there. And he, the, the worst thing, if, you can get, if he can get you into some of them churches like they had back in the day, where they go get you. Well, Deacon so-and-so, John's left Mary and all the seven kids and he's out spending his paycheck. Where is he at? He's down in Henry's bar. He's all, okay. They wouldn't go got you, brought the paycheck home to Mary, and sat you down and gave you a good talking to. You got me? You didn't have enough sense to go get yourself. They sent somebody for you. Huh? Oh, y'all didn't like that. We've done it. Me and Pastor Shirley have done it. You're too precious to let the devil have you. And we ain't scared of your devils either. Huh? <laughs> some, some little girl was trying to chase one of the young, young men in the ministry. I'm scared of that church. They pastors come get you on your job. <laughs> yeah, gangster style. <laughs> come sit in the back seat of the car. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> All done in love. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Well, you know, if people are willing to come to their senses, help them. But God will send, through intercession, he'll send somebody for you. He'll send somebody to help you, which we'll see in this story about the centurion. So in Luke chapter 7, in verse 2. Says a certain centurion, verse 1, now when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant, who was dear to him, was sick and ready to die. So this is a mercy meets mercy encounter. 
you've got to have something that matches what God has in order to work for him. See, people who don't have compassion will never have a healing ministry. Amen. Compassion in the word and strong in the word. You got me? People who are merciful can always touch God's mercy with their mercy and they come into agreement there. God will always fix it so that he has a point of contact with you where he can meet you to help somebody. He won't get much, much out of you if you're trying to be a minister or trying to be anointed or trying to you got me you're not after that you already are that if you stay under God but if you will will let his heart if you let his heart touch your heart you'll always have a connection with him and he'll work with you and that's what he's doing here and so he says his his servant was dear to him and was sick and ready to die now he was ready You got me? The servant was ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent to his he sent him sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. And this is what the servants are telling Jesus. Well, you know what? This guy, he's done a lot for the church. He's an upstanding person. He's given a lot of money. He's built us a building. You should come because of that. And so he says, for he loves our nation and he has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy that you should enter my roof. Now, when Jesus first started out, he was being drawn by something. And it wasn't these messengers talking about this guy building a synagogue. God builds his own buildings. That man will be blessed for what he's done. God's already got that set aside for him. So your works will never qualify you as somebody who's worthy of being healed. Only faith will. Only faith will. Now let me tell you something about faith. Faith is activated when you approach God. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder. Approaching God is always a sign of faith and a show of faith. Let me tell you how church people die in the hospital. The Bible says if there are any sick among you, you call for, you call for, you call for, you call for, you call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over you, anointing you with all in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will save the sick. God will raise you up. If you committed sins, even they're forgiven you. Nothing can stop that process. That is a, a safeguard, a security for the church, for God's people to always have an open door for divine health. But the key is you call for him. He's not supposed to beg you if he can come to see you. Your pastor is not obligated to come see you unless you call for him. 
Don't lay up in the bed mad at everybody in the church because nobody ever came to see you while you were sick in the hospital. Well, they know I'm sick and nobody can. That's how people die in the hospital. Huh? You're trying to activate the anointing of God on your behalf. That's how it's done. You call for them. They always approach Jesus. When they came to him, what can I do for you? They came to Jesus. They came. Coming when you come to the altar. That's a sign of your faith in God that he's going to heal you. So you come. That's an initiation of the faith process. Once that process is in motion, it's up to Jesus to work with what you bring him. The greatest thing that a minister has going for them is the gifts of the Spirit when they minister to people. If you bring faith and you stand there, if God needs to tell the minister through the word of knowledge or word of wisdom what is wrong with you so they can help you, that's up to him to bring that gift to take you further into your healing, into your process. Whenever you come to God, he must meet you at your level of faith. If it's not adequate, he has to give you more through schooling you. You're schooled oftentimes at the altar into what you need from God. See, it's God's responsibility. It ain't your responsibility to try and conjure up enough whatever you're trying to get going so that God can heal you. You come with what faith you have. And be honest about what you've got. If it's a little bit, tell God, you know, God, I don't know if this is going to get it for me today or not. But whatever I have, I'm releasing it to you. I'm trusting you with it. Amen. And so, amen. So here, this man was sick. His servant was sick. These people try to schmooze Jesus and pump him up to inflate his Pride, You know, this man's, oh, he's built us a synagogue. Oh, boy, well, he's at the top of the list. Well, it's not like that with God. Faith is the only thing that moves God. And so when Jesus went with them, because they came asking. Whenever you come asking, he always responds if there's faith involved. And so that's all that was needed for them to come asking. He got as far As he could before the centurion himself came up. And while he's he's talking to Jesus, something's going through his mind. And this is always good to have something going through your mind when you're desiring to receive something from God. Hopefully it's something God put there. You understand what I'm saying? But this man is is not just... A beggar and an asker. If it were that, he would, we, he would have let his good works talk for him. And that would have been it. But he goes a little bit farther here. Because he is a person who is willing to study, to show himself approved unto God. See, when you study these things out and you try to get understanding of them, you're not trying to just have a healing ministry so you can say you, you've got something. You got me? The worst kind of Christian in the world is the insecure one who is looking to his works to validate him. Huh? 
if the blood of Jesus, if, if what Jesus went through to secure your salvation is not enough validation for you, then you need to go right back at square one and sit at the foot of the cross again and meditate on what he did, what he took, and why he took it for you. Once you get an understanding of the love that's in every drop of blood that he shed for you, huh? then you won't have any insecurities about anything. God can promote everybody in the world ahead of you and you're just as comfortable as you can be sitting at his feet huh? waiting for the next word. So here the centurion did something unusual and unique that Jesus commended him for. He said here in verse 7, he says, verse 6, Jesus went with them and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him saying unto him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. For I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Now he's got two sets of servants here who are under his authority. Everybody gives the message that he told them to give plus some of theirs. Huh? The first group, he told the first group, he said, you know, my servant's sick here. Send for the master to come and heal him. So they go and and make the request, but they add in something. Be careful that what you're adding in came from God. Be careful that what you add in comes from meditating on the word. Don't try to add in something that comes out of carnality, manipulation, trying to convince somebody that you're worthy beyond because that'll tell on you. God already knows that you don't feel like he's going to do it. So they'd have done better to just shut up and say, you know, he's asking for you. End of story. But everybody wants to add their own little embellishment thinking that, well, you know, when Jesus came, it was because I told him, now listen, I got up in that man's face. I don't care how holy man, prophet, whatever they say he is, but I got up in his face. And I told him he didn't build all this stuff. You better come down here. No. No, Joe, just hold on to that. Because he ain't moved by all that. Jesus is looking for faith because if he can still believe and hold on and honor that centurion's faith after he'd been tried to be manipulated by the servants, then certainly he's holy and righteous because he's smelt faith here. And he's going to stay on the track of that faith until that faith does what, what it's supposed to do for that person. That's what Jesus is focused on. Focus 100% on whatever faith is being exercised in a situation. The centurion sends another batch with another message and tells him, no, don't come in this house. Why? Well, you know, we got all these statues of all these pagan gods and we got Zeus and his brother and, you know, we got... uh, Whoever else is his wife, Hera, Juno, all them chicks. We got all them up in here. I don't want Jesus coming in here and getting the wrong impression that we don't respect him. So if he can stay outside, because see, I done studied this thing. Study is very important. This man had studied how Jesus works. And he said, you know what? I figured it out. He said, because I do the same type of thing in my work. 
He says, I'm a man under authority. And just like I had, you go tell him one thing and you screwed it up. And you go tell him something else. And he's almost here. He said, y'all do what I tell you to do. With a little add on. You know, as much as people are going to do right. He said, but... As a man under authority, I don't move by my own power. There's somebody greater than me who's told me I can do this, and that's Caesar. Well, there's somebody greater than him that's telling him he can do these things, and that's God. And I believe he's the son of God. So he told Jesus, he says, you know what? I'm not even worthy for you to come under my roof. So he clears up all the promotion. That's been done for he's repented of the lies that have been the manipulation in the situation. He humbles himself to the Lord. You can't go wrong, folks, humbling yourself to God. That's always the right thing to do. He said, Lord, you know what? I'm not even worthy for you to come under my roof. He said, but I study authority. He said, and I know you've got authority over all sickness, all darkness, All the works I've seen you cast out. Devils, they told me you do it with your word. You don't even have to come here. He said, I know you lay hands on people too. He said, but I know just your word will do it because that's what I respect in my line of work. You know, Jesus will make it easy for you to understand things by bringing examples to you that you're familiar with, talking to you, and he'll meet you right where you are. Because he's so bent on getting us the faith that we need to do things that we need. You know, sometimes you'll think that that he's got some kind of special way that he talks to you. But he talks to everybody special. You understand what I'm saying? You think it's just unique to you. But he'll make it unique and personal to everybody because he wants everybody to have what he has for them. So then the centurion says, I'm a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say to one, go, and he goes, another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned about and said to the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. And so you see how faith is honored by God. Jesus comes for our faith. If we will show him what faith we have, he's able to bring more faith out of us. And nobody can screw it up. You can't screw it up. If Jesus were stopped by sin and manipulation and wrong words and religion, he would have gone, turned around and gone back when the servants started talking about, well, he built us a synagogue. See? That would have turned him off and he'd have gone. But he didn't. He still smelled faith. See? He said, faith is stronger than that nonsense y'all talking. You can't manipulate me. and You can't buy a miracle. Are you kidding me? He said, but I'll give you one based on your faith. And if you don't have enough faith, I'll supply what you don't have. You got me? And so here we see the centurion schooled himself into faith because he began to relate to Jesus In the same way that he lived through authority. So he saw Jesus' authority and he said, I understand authority. Just speak the word and my servant will be made whole. And so this is how that man was able to school his way into faith. The woman with the issue of blood, if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 9, we'll look at her. 
She schooled herself into faith by fighting the good fight of faith to change the way she was thinking. She had to change her mindset. And I would say that's all of us. We all come into this world believing the natural realm only. We want to believe the supernatural. You ever try to believe? God, I remember when I was a sinner, I would try to believe for, you know, wonderful things to happen. It only lasted for a minute and then you go right back to the old natural again. You know, it never holds. But it will hold when you have your faith in God. In Mark chapter 4, I'm going to flip over there and read something to you because it's important for us to understand that there is a process that goes on in the human mind, in the human soul, in order for these things to happen. Mark chapter 4, let me see. Hang on, that's not the one I want. I think it's maybe Matthew 5. Hang on. Mark 4. Shannon, see if you can find that scripture for me. Lest at any time they see with their ear, eyes, hear with their ears, be converted. You can find the word converted to probably tell you. <clears throat> this is one scripture. It gives a similar, but it doesn't come up with the same conclusion I wanted to come up with. Praise the Lord. So we're talking about the woman with the issue of blood. When you get it, just shout it out and I'll put my finger in it and come back to it. But in, was it Matthew 9 we were talking about her? In Matthew 9. And verse 18, it says, And while he spoke these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay your hands upon her, and she shall live. Jesus arose and followed him, so did his disciples. So there's faith there. Wherever you see Mark 1, Mark 4.12, oh, like I said, is that the one? I was, I was there, but I didn't think it was saying what I wanted to say. Okay, all right, I got you. Okay, let me go back there real quick in Mark 4.12. This is the process of schooling yourself. This is why you have to school yourself. It says in verse 11, Jesus says, Unto you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. This is a mystery how this happens. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. So God puts his revelation in code form to protect it from people who won't use it properly. So nobody who can misuse the gospel or misuse God's power. You found another one, didn't you? Okay, Matthew 13 and verse 15. Sorry about that. Yeah. In verse 14 it says, In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah which says, By hearing you shall hear and not understand, seeing you shall see and not perceive. For these people's heart is wax gross. 
It's anybody who shuts down at the, the wisdom of God. And their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest at any time. This is something, when you start opening yourself up to hear and receive the word of God, at any time this process can happen. At any time. She could be healed at any time. You saw people come up to Jesus with very little faith and they left there with everything that they ever wanted out of that situation. Why? Because they were converted. And you can, it can happen at any time. It can happen very quickly. Conversion and miracles happen at the altar all the time. You don't have to drag through and, oh, I gotta put the word in the day and I gotta listen to the day. I mean, you should. But you can be, that, that conversion process can happen very quickly. So he says, um, where was I? Matthew 13? Okay, and so he says, lest at any time, in verse 15, they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and be converted, and I will heal them. So seeing, hearing, understanding, conversion, and healing are a schooling process, but it's not a slow process. It can happen immediately. That's how people would come to a Jesus meeting, sick, crippled, whatever. And after he preached, they'd get up and run out of the place. Walk, because conversion can happen at any time. You open yourself up to hear the word of God. You don't shut yourself down. I mean, even if you don't like what you hear and you say you're not going to do it ever. God, I'm never going to go up to so-and-so and tell him you love him. You know, I'm never going to go up to anybody on the street and give them a track or preach to them. But you keep your heart open to it. You got me? And so when you're converted, God will heal you. And then the process of being made whole is a very simple one. So always stay open to the word of God. And this is the advantage that these people had that caused them to get what they came for and not leave without it. So in Matthew 9, we see this woman with the issue of blood. And in verse 19, Jesus arose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment because she had been to school. Huh? She had been schooling herself. Into faith and schooling herself into receiving her healing. You know how I know? Because she got it. And they said something that she said within herself that tells you she'd schooled herself. She'd been schooled on a lot of things all her life. The Bible says that she had been, she had been suffering with this, is it 18 years or more than 18 years? 12 years? And she had, was no better. But had even gotten worse. And she had spent all her money. So it's time to go back to school. When you broke, busted, disgusted, and sick, it's time to learn something new. Huh? Don't ever blame people for coming to God as like the last resort. At least they showed up. There's some people still in too much darkness to even show up as a, with God as a last resort. And so here she gets to the point where she can't do anything for herself anymore. 
Her doctors can't help her. She relied on them. She feels crazy. You can't let feeling stupid for wasting your money on something that didn't help. You can't let that stop you and be the final answer for you. Some people get stuck down that street. You know, they feel embarrassed, ashamed. Look at all the time I wasted. I did this, I did that. The humble person will say, but God, is there still a chance for me? Is there still a chance for me? And God will put you in school. He put her in school. And he says, this woman said to herself, she said within herself. She talked to herself on the inside. She sat herself down in her school chair. And she stood over herself and started teaching herself what God's word said. When I was housebound, a new Christian, I remember reading the Bible and I kept saying, God, I said, how am I ever going to understand this? I, I don't know. And I saw, I saw somebody standing over me like this. And they would put their hands on my shoulder and step back and point their finger and start talking to me. And the Lord said, that's the Holy Spirit. He said, he's your inner teacher. You got me? So he will teach you the things of God. And he never quits teaching us. Now we have to be under the authority of the church for God's process to take place. Ministers always enhance your relationship with God. And it's a must. If you're going to go anywhere in God, you've got to be under authority. You can't just be out here and say the Holy Spirit is my teacher and I don't need you. Huh? That's not even love. Huh? You can learn that. You know, you little kids preach to you sometimes. Huh? It'll blow your mind the wisdom that they have. You sit up there and your mind's all messed up and they come and lay a hand on you and you feel all better. You say, oh, Lord, what was that about? <laughs> That's scary, Jesus. <laughs> huh? It's the truth, man. You know, God, he's got all kinds of ways to help us, you know, and bless us. And, but we need each other. You've you got to understand that. And we need to be under authority. So many times I wanted to say, God, just send somebody. I can. No, you're not going to sit up and suck up the word from somebody. You know, preachers are like that. You know, we like the word. We like teaching. We so much rather let you come and preach and we sit there and suck up the word. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, never lose that part of yourself that wants to be taught. It's a good thing to have that. Amen. Malachi 4.2 tells us something. I think this lady knew it. She was a Hebrew woman because she was very nervous of being, about being out in the public. She was ceremonially, ceremonially unclean, couldn't go to the synagogue. She couldn't go any of the places that the people of God were. So she had to rely on something bigger than their religious system at the time. And that was the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus brought. He brought the kingdom. Amen. And so she understood religious law. She even understood something about the garments that they wore. Because the garments had fringes along the bottom that symbolized the authority of the word, the power of the word, and what the word could do to minister to people. And so she focused on the authority and the power of the word as something that if she, she said, if I could get that word in me. If I could get close to that word, that's what I need. Yeah. 
I need the power of God. I don't need to be shut apart from God's people anymore. But if I could just get there. And so she probably got to the place where she got up and went unnoticed through the crowd. She waited until it was a big crowd of people so that she wouldn't be noticed. She didn't want the Pharisees to pick up on the fact, here's that lady trying to get in here. She's not supposed to be in here. She was, her faith had taken her beyond the religious system of the day. Religion always wants to exclude people. Religion gets so exclusive, nobody can be involved in it. You got me? Jesus wants to include everybody. He says, come unto me everybody who's heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Spirit of God wants to touch everybody. He wants to minister to everybody. He wants to change everybody. He sees us people of dignity. He doesn't see us, you know, worming around and squirming around and barely getting by. He sees us people who can stand before him and declare things that he has given us to declare. He sees us much different than we see ourselves sometimes. And so anyway, the woman, she had an issue. She said within herself. If I can but touch his garment, I shall be whole. Now this woman had seen with her eyes, heard with her ears, understanding. It's the greatest thing. She understood with her heart that she could have the very same thing she saw other people getting. But she had seen people getting it by him touching them. But her knowledge of Hebrew authority... And what the authority of that prayer shawl really meant took her to a place where she says, he doesn't have to touch me. It's just like the centurion. School yourself into getting it, period. Nothing's stopping you now. Many people have probably told her about Jesus and just come and he'll lay hands on you. See, that's what the guy ahead of her in line asked for. You see what he got, don't you? (laughs) Almost fainted, huh? Because she jumped right in line ahead of him. Jesus took. He takes the first one coming with faith. You got me? See, if your faith is so exotic, it can only work certain ways. You got me? Somebody would right now get it, grab it, and go faith will push you out of the line and come and get what you got and your stuff will die on the vine. You got me? So you need to have faith in what Jesus, the first thing smoking, Send that to me. I don't care if it's a hem of your. I don't care if it's toenail. I don't care whatever it is. You got me. Just send me my healing on that. Care what you send it on, huh? And so that's what she had. She said the hem of his garment. I'll crawl around on the floor. Nobody will be able to see me. People say they believe she crawled on the floor so as not to be seen by anybody. She was probably a prominent woman. And she said, you know what? If I grab this while nobody's watching me, I'll be made whole. Huh? They say the anointing is better caught than taught. Huh? You be in some of these divine appointments. You get in the right place at the right time. And God will install you in ministry before you know it. Why? Because you see with your eyes here when you school yourself into understanding these things and you understand that they're for you she had been told by doctors that she would never be well we'll do the best we can for you then when her money was gone nobody wanted to see her anymore you got me so even the one she was depending on to keep her hanging on a little bit 
had cut her loose. Sometimes when the doctors say they can't do anything for you, that's the best position you've ever been in in your life. Sometimes faith is better forced out of us. It'll shock you how much you believe God when you're pressed to believe him. When you're under the squeeze, it'll shock you what great faith you may have just because you have to use it. What you saving it for? Huh? Rainy day? Huh? God will make sure you use it. He'll get it squeezed out of you if he has to squeeze it out of you. And it's a good thing. Because once that faith comes out and you see what God can do through you, huh? it puts you on a totally different level of living. So that's conversion. She was converted. And Jesus, she said within herself, if I can but touch his garment, I'll be whole. And Jesus turned about. And when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And so Jesus pronounced the blessing on her as she touched the hem of his garment. He didn't allow her to go away doubting. See, she said within herself, if I can touch him, I'll be made whole. God goes one further. He goes one further to make sure and establish with you that yes, that's right. And yes, you did the right thing. And yes, I'm confirming it. And she saw, and he saw that virtue had gone out of him and he knew that it was real. And so when God knows it's real, he'll let you know that it's real. Praise God. In Acts chapter 3, we see the man at the gate beautiful. Beautiful, but sick people are sitting outside of it. What good is the beauty if people aren't getting healed? Acts chapter 3 and verse 2. Verse uh, verse 1, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame for his, from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So this man is like Bartimaeus. He's begging. I'm sure the, temp, the uh, testimony of Bartimaeus has gone around. You know, all of the testimonies about the things that were done during the time of Jesus have gone around. And somehow this man has not, during the, the time that the Lord was alive and doing his earthly ministry, he was not healed. Now, many people have questioned, well, why not? Jesus went in that temple all the time. There were accounts of him. Going, oh gee, I missed it. He wasn't, I was, Jesus was here on Wednesday and I didn't get, no, it wasn't like that. He was laid there every day for the purpose of begging because that was, that was like his job. You know how some people beg like it's their job. Well, this is just the way his brother was. (laughs) Don't go to sleep on me. (laughs) But uh, that's what he did. You know, they put him out there every day. Probably it was necessary because other people would have had to take care of him financially if he hadn't received anything. But if Jesus walked by him going into the temple, why didn't he heal him? 
Huh? <laughs> That's a lot of lot of lot of reasons. Well, number one, every miracle is assigned to a servant. Did you know that? Miracles are assigned to servants. That's why it's good if you're a servant of God to make yourself available because you never know where that assigned miracle is. But if that miracle didn't have Jesus' name on it, he didn't carry it out. Huh? The other thing is the school aspect. You got me? This man had to be schooled into faith. And for some reason, God had reserved that miracle for after the Lord had ascended. That was a miracle that belonged to the disciples in the church. That was their assignment. And so we hear to see this layman because it, it did a lot of things. And this is why we have to understand assigned things. Because if you're assigned to it, the result that comes will affect your ministry will affect your life, will affect the lives of others in your generation and in your time and in the area where you are. And so they went up together to the temple, as we said, and there was a man, certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, asked an alms. So he asked them for Money. Beggars are focused on the natural, on the temporal, on the things that they need. Certain times, you know, we'll we'll minister to people, you know, through giving them. Like in Cleveland, we collect bread from the Panera Bakery and distribute it to people. Very few people really want to come to church. Why? Because they're focused on the natural. It can't, it never registers to them real easily how God can bring natural things to them by supernatural means. See, they see the investment of time in church, investment of time in prayer, investing in a Bible. That's so far removed from where they live because of the fear and anxiety attached to their natural means of of living. And so when your natural realm is threatened, that makes it very difficult for you to focus on the supernatural. But you can, because this man did. And I believe that for many times when the disciples were going in, he asked them for money and it and he hadn't been schooled. It wasn't his time to go to school yet, but today it is. And so he says here in verse, he asked Peter and John in verse 3, And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. Now why would he tell them, tell this man to look at them? In other words, stop focusing so hard on money. Get your mind on something else. Many times when people come up to the altar, they want to tell how sick they've been, how bad it's been. How No, look on us. Don't look at how how bad it's been. Don't look at your past. Don't try to tell me how much you hurt. Don't just look at something new that's coming to you now that's going to take that away. So quit looking at what's in your mind about how much you've suffered and how bad it's been. You know, people when they come to the church because they got bad relationships. Oh, man. 
the men are worse than the women. <laughs> ah, you know, now it's <laughs> yeah, right. They both bad. You know what I'm saying? And until they quit focusing on the problem and blaming each other and go talk to her because she started it and, you know, you know, it just makes you want to put your Bible down and get two pairs of boxing gloves. Well, let's finish it. Y'all want to fight? Let's finish it. Whatever. I know that's bad pastoring, but trust me. (laughs) Trust me, it might work. Praise the Lord. But you know what I'm saying. The focus is wrong. When the focus is on your flesh and the focus is on the natural, you'll feel anxious about anything ever getting better. See, your, your faith for, for things of the supernatural, you think this God is going to take forever. So you want to tell how bad it is to see if you can convince somebody to get you out of your trouble right away. Like we got something to help you. So that's why the disciple says, shut up, get out of your mind. How did I do that? Yeah, right here. Stop. Get out of there. This is a new day for you. We've got something you've never had before. If you get your off your mind and get into the reality of what God has for you, it's not look on us because we we something to look at or we have something for you. You got me. But don't look to your past. Don't look to what, don't look to be the same. Don't look for money. Look for something different. And so when he looked at them and he fastened his eyes upon him with John, he said, look on us. And he gave heed to them, expecting to receive something. That's very important. And this may be why the disciples' name was on this this, this miracle. Because how many of you know that many times beggars just put the cup out there and they believe nobody's going to put anything in because it's been, you got me? They're ashamed to expect anything because they don't want to be disappointed anymore. So it's possible that this man was begging without the expectation of even getting any money off of anybody. He just left the cup out there. And it was his habit to leave it out there. And so this time he looked up and he begged them for money and they said, look at us. And start looking past where you are. Look for something new. Look for a change to come to you today. And then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give you. That's all you have to give anybody. But when you have Jesus, you got a lot. Because you don't know if that would be the day they get up and walk. Finally, you don't know if that would be the day that they get the job that they've been looking for. That would be the day that that they get pregnant and they've been trying for a long time. You don't know what God has for them. But you give them such as you have. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Do that if the Spirit of God moves you to do it. You got me? All of this is done, I call it the dance of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is there leading you and guiding you as to what to do so that faith, that faith and the anointing will meet together and strengthen that person. And immediately that man's legs and ankles uh, got strength and he ran in there and started jumping up and praising God. 
this day was also a day that the ministry of the disciples was turned around. Because they were going in for what? It says it was the hour of what? The hour of prayer. But when they got in there, it turned into the hour of shouting, dancing, and preaching. Amen? Because what they were probably praying might have been the vain repetition of the Pharisees, but the disciples went in there anyway. Never doubt when God sends you somewhere that, that if you go under his authority, change will happen. It won't be the same old, same old once you get in there. And so here this man starts leaping up and praising God. Peter begins to address the people. As a lame, verse 11, as a lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together. And when Peter saw it, he answered the people. He said, men of Israel, why are you marveling? Do you think that our own power or holiness did that? Always be careful to give God glory. Don't let people go around thinking you're wonderful. You got me? You, you bring it down so that God can have it back again. You got me? Don't, don't bask in his glory. Don't, don't let yourself start feeling that. You know, that you feel when people begin to marvel and, and praise God. And he says, <clears throat> he says, the God of Abraham and our father Isaac and so forth. And so he begins to preach and re-preach Jesus. Tells the people to repent so that their sins can be blotted out. So this miracle then opens the door for preaching the gospel. And that may be another reason why that man hadn't walked all the times that Jesus had walked by there. So you've got to know that when someone is slated for a miracle, they're slated for that miracle. And God will make sure he gets the right servant there at the right time so that we can get our miracle. When he says, look on us, he give the, the, the Bible or the word of God his full attention. And that's how we're converted. Proverbs 4.20, it says, son, attend to my words. Incline thine ears to my sayings. Give that word your full attention. This man probably had never given God his full attention. But the one time he does, he gets a miracle. He gets his legs back. He walks out. He leaps, shouts. I'm telling you, conversion can be that quick. Quit thinking it takes God forever to do anything. Quit thinking it takes God forever to heal you. Quit thinking it takes God forever to to get you in a good job or get you in a good relationship or anything like that. Quit thinking it takes God forever to do these things because it doesn't. And I know that if we will trust God and we'll trust him in the now for the things that we want now, we can have them now. Because God schools us into believing him and schools us into greater faith when we need greater faith. 